All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Bible Quest, the Tuesday edition. I'm your host, Jonathan Sadler, and I've got Scott Smelser with me today. How are you doing, Scott? Good. good to see you. And Justin Dobbs, how are you, Justin? I'm doing fine. Thank God. Good. good to see you guys. Uh, we want to invite everyone, like we do at the beginning of each of our programs, to interact with us today. If you have any questions or comments about what we're discussing, you can uh, use the live chat on the YouTube video. We'll be watching that throughout our program. If you have any other questions that come up after we get finished or anything unrelated to what we're talking about, you can visit our website at BibleQuest.tv and leave your questions there, and we'll be happy to do those in the future. Uh, today, our plan is to keep going through Proverbs. We started that about two weeks ago, introducing Proverbs and talking about some of the basic uh, kind of principles around the first seven verses of Proverbs. And we were wanting to just continue that discussion in Proverbs chapter one and start looking at kind of the progression of the book. Um, we might periodically keep looking at some of the Proverbs as we keep going or, or thematically look through it uh, in the future, depending on any feedback that we get. Um, but we want to at least look at chapter one here. And so we're ready for Proverbs one, verse eight. Uh, I don't know. One of you guys want to read starting in that section? We can start discussing it. Yeah, I'd be happy to. I'll read uh, 8 through 19. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. You will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, where their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. So, a lot to discuss in this section. Um, we can pick out some different things. One thing that I'll bring up that kind of goes back to the previous week when we were talking about the general scope of Proverbs is something that you said, Scott, that really Proverbs is written from this perspective of like a parent teaching their child, specifically a father teaching their son. And so it's really helpful, the book as a whole, in teaching children. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit more kind of about that before we look specifically at this? Yeah, the book of Proverbs... Uh, of course, there's different parts of it, but it starts off like this. And it's good for everybody, but two groups I think it is especially good for is adolescent, teenage, and, and, and young men. Uh, and also, if you ever have a chance to study with a group of guys in jail, this is an excellent book. It really hits. It, it, it'll resonate with them because... It has to do with kind of why they're there. Uh, and three things I would like to make sure, in addition to whatever else you guys want to get into on this section, three things I would like to make sure that we hit is the importance of listening to parents. And another thing is peer pressure. And another thing is how closely this relates to one of the really big crime problems in big cities and that is fatherless boys who are looking for a sense of belonging 
Hmm. And since the dad's out of the picture and sometimes nobody's taking them under their wing, then you find a group of criminals and proverb, the, the verses we read is pretty fitting for, for what the message is to those young men. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we can start talking about that, that first one, because that's the first thing that really kind of comes up in this section, the importance of listening to parental instruction. He says in verse eight and nine, listen to what your father says, listen to what your mother says, because they're a graceful garland for your head, they're pendants for your neck, they're, they're desirable things to adorn your life with, uh, kind of. Um, and one thing that keeps popping in my head, and I don't know, Scott, if you remember this or not, but I, I remember uh, one story that you told about kind of illustrating this point of ways to learn. Do you remember the story you told me about the gopher and like the, yeah. the gopher handbook? Do you want to share that? <laughs> if, tell me if we've done that in the last month or so. It's about groundhogs in different ways that you can learn. No, yeah, we haven't. Well, not on this show. I, I, this is not, uh, not, I'm not remembering this at all. And, and so basically it's going to illustrate the point that we can learn from the word of God. That's best. We can learn from our parents. We can learn from the mistakes of others. We can learn from our own mistakes. And so picture family groundhogs and they have got the groundhog manual. Okay. And the first commandment in the groundhog manual is thou shalt not run out in front of cars. You know, thou art a slow mammal. You you are not fast enough. Do not do this. Now it's gonna be well in the interest of those little groundhog toddlers to listen to that and remember it and obey it. But if they don't listen to that, it would be helpful if they listen to their parents. Their parents are also going to be saying, Don't run across the street in front of a car. If they don't listen to the manual. If they don't listen to their parents, then they can learn from the mistakes of others. Because they saw their friend Jared run in front of the car. And they saw what happened. And it's like, oh, that's now I get it. Unfortunately, for most of us, we've managed to ignore the word, ignore our parents ignore the mistakes of others, and sometimes we've insisted on making a mistake ourselves. And if you do, and if you survive, it's not a good thing, but the one thing to do is learn from it. Mm -hmm. If you're a groundhog, you didn't listen to manual, you didn't listen to your parents, you decided you were faster than Jared, and you took off wobbling across the road, and you got hit, and your back leg got broken, and now you're a three-legged groundhog. It's your fault, but at least now, you know, learn the lesson the hard way. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that you can then tell other people who are about to do stupid stuff, no, really, this is what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that illustrates uh, a point, particularly about parental instruction. I remember, you know, whenever I was a kid listening to what my parents said, you view the rules almost foolishly as a kid you view the rules of your parents as overly restrictive as not fun as annoying as they don't really understand all that kind of stuff um it's a mark of wisdom among children to understand that they don't know everything and that their parents have lived more than twice as long as they have 
probably know what's going to happen in that situation. Now, parents are not perfect, and Proverbs will point that out. They'll make mistakes, and that's to be expected. But generally, good parents want the best for their kids. They want to protect them. They want to save them from some of the hurt that they've probably personally experienced themselves. Maybe they ran across the road whenever they were young and got hurt and really don't want to see that for their kid. Um, and so you're just so much better off taking first, like what you illustrated, listen to what God says, which is Proverbs, it's godly wisdom, listen to that. But then also listening to your parents, uh, good parents, That's that, those are the two best things you can do to learn a life lesson rather than going out and trying to experience it yourself. Well, there's something you just said, Jonathan, that I think is super important um, for us as parents. Um, what, what's in, what's assumed here in Proverbs 1 verses 8 through 9 is that the father's instruction, the mother's instruction will actually be good for the kids. Yeah. Uh, and I think sometimes we're tempted to give our children instruction that is for our convenience or for our, our own comfort. Uh, and we're not thoughtful about whether I'm choosing to bless my children through my instruction. Uh, there, there's the parental commitment here. It's just implied that obedience should lead to the, the child's blessings uh, and that uh, authority, the authority that I wield is for the sake of the one who's under my authority, yeah. uh, not for my sake. So I, I think that's that's often overlooked by, you know, we, we want our children to be respectful because it makes us feel good. No, <laughs> we want our children to be respectful because they learn to submit to authority and ultimately they can learn to obey God's authority and because his laws, his, his words lead to blessings, which mm -hmm. I think connects back to something you said, you know, um, the the groundhog, is it groundhog? The groundhog guys? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, you know, they want their children to live. We want our kids to live. Um, but you're, you're reminding me of Exodus 20, the command there, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long. But it doesn't stop there. It says that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So there's this, I think, uh, connected idea that by obeying your parents, if your parents are teaching you God's ways, then you will receive the inheritance that God wants to give you. For the Israelites, that was the land. That was the land of Canaan. Uh, and because that generational teaching didn't happen the way that it should have, then eventually they were taken out of God's promise. And so we want to teach our children God's promises and learn how to obey him so that they'll receive the inheritance. And so if they'll just trust and do, and we lead them to God, then they'll they'll live long in the promises he gives. So... Um, I don't know, just this picture, I don't think about passing down garlands to my kids or, you know, shiny necklaces, but there's something much better for them if they'll just pay attention and I commit to teaching them God's ways. And highlighting the purpose of it for their benefit, not our selfishness. Right. In uh, Proverbs 13, 24, he who loves his child disciplines him diligently. You know, that's mm -hmm. the personal motivation. But like Jonathan said, parents are perfect. And sometimes that complicates it because when you're a teenager, you notice your parents are perfect. In fact, when you're a teenager, it's probably easier sometimes to notice where your parents are perfect than to notice where your parents are wise. Jonathan. Yeah, and going along with that, one of the one of the best things for a parent to realize is that they're not perfect. So realize yourself that you make mistakes and admit to those humbly and change and repent. 
But one of the best things for me growing up, my dad wasn't perfect. And uh, I know dad watches this show, so he might hear this later on. <laughs> but um, and I'm okay saying that, and he's okay hearing that, I think. One of the things that was most helpful for me in that relationship, though, was that he apologized yeah. to us, to, to us kids. I remember vividly times when he would apologize to me and my brother for something that he did, something that he said. That makes a big difference. <laughs> um, you know, if you just if you just ignore your failures, kids see that and they, they don't respect that. They don't appreciate that. It's a lot right. more respectful to own up to your failings. It doesn't fool them. It, it doesn't fool kids into thinking, oh, wow, dad's perfect because he didn't apologize. That is not what happens. Uh, but it does model for them. This is what a man does when he's wrong. He, he owns up to it. He admits it. He apologizes. But along with that, that no parents aren't perfect, teenagers aren't perfect. And so as imperfect as your parent is, your parent has probably learned something between the age of 15 and 35 or 45 or how old the parent is. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the most amusing answers I got one time in a study was I was asked to go do, do some kind of family counseling between this mom and her daughter. And the daughter was kind of sullen and in a bad mood. And, and I asked her, I said, do you think your mom knows what it's like? The girl was 13. Do you think your mom knows what it's like to be a you know, teenager or 13 year old girl? This girl goes, <laughs> <laughs> and then of course, I pointed out the obvious. She used to be uh, but you don't know what it's like to be an adult responsible for a 13-year-old girl. Mm -hmm. And so we as parents have to humble ourselves and grow and, and, and apologize when we're wrong and, and then do better and grow. But also it's important for teenagers not to think, oh, because they're not perfect, I don't need to listen to them because the teenager is not perfect either. And one thing I'll often say to teenagers when I'm talking to them about things, I'm saying, you know, so say it's a 16 year old, do you know a lot more than you did, say, two years ago when you were 14? Oh, yeah, yeah. Two years from now, will you know a lot more? Yeah. About two years after that, yeah. How about when you're 25? Yeah. What when you're 30? Yeah. 35? Yeah. You know, and I get to the point and say, your parents are already there. Hmm. Well, baiting them. <laughs> you just baited them into the answer. Uh, but yeah, that's right. And, and it's. But they're yeah, teenagers, yeah. so they don't see it coming. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so there's the importance of the parental advice in like eight and nine. Then he gets to something you talked about, um, Scott, too. One of the other points in here is the, the peer pressure that's going on. So I don't know, you guys, you, one of you guys want to describe like what's, what's happening? What's the situation that he's warning about in like verse 10 and following? Yeah, and Scott mentions the, the effect that's happening all around us. And it's, it's, you know, I live in Philadelphia and I see it all around these, in fact, just last week, there's a group of 20 teenagers that held up a store in broad daylight in center city. Um, and it's just, it's exactly this. Um, but maybe, maybe it's happening more than that. There are these TikTok challenges, um, you know, just online. We have a, a, a bigger group of peer pressure now. 
Um, but there are sinners out there, and they're enticing us, saying, "Hey, if you want, you want something. Um, you want to run with us. We've we've got the goods." Uh, and maybe at a basic level, before we just get to the peer pressure, is I think one lesson that we should learn that would teach us wisdom is that sin promises benefits that it cannot fulfill. You know, you, you'll you'll be with us, and you'll get all the goods. Uh, of course, I don't know. Verse fourteen just strikes me as funny. Uh, we will all have one purse. Yeah, right. <laughs> you just beat that guy up and took his purse, and you're expecting me to believe that you're going to share it with me. Uh, but there's a there's a tremendous pull to want to belong to somebody. Uh, and if parents, if we don't if we don't help our children to see that we love them and we respect them and we want what's good for them, they're going to find somebody else uh, to to call family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we've got a question from uh, YouTube. I don't know if you guys want to have any advice for this. The question is uh, advice on how to correct bad behavior in public. Uh, and then it says, Ray and I were on a walk today and he deliberately disobeyed. I don't uh, don't know what to do because I don't want anyone to call CPS if I need a discipline. Um, just kind of an interesting, hard challenge. What, what advice would you guys give on that? And how old's the child? Two. Yeah. So, harmless as doves, wise as serpents, we're in a day and age where there are people who think that spanking your child is a terrible thing and they have the right to call the police on it. It's not a crime. Uh, I, I remember meeting with a mom who the child services person had been called on her. And uh, I won't go into all the details. It was kind of amusing, though. But he knew he could tell it was illegal, but who knows what judges we're going to have in the future. There are, depending on how woke those judges are, you have, and the thing is, if you have the courts take your children from, you know, that could be really hard to get back. So sometimes I have disciplined my kids in public and I've just made it very calm, very slow, very communicative, no conference in this. And I've had a lady behind me say, that's what we need more of. But um, if the child's old enough to understand, to be safe, it might be, okay, you know, you're acting ugly, and we're going to have to go, and we're going to have to talk about this. Just take their hand, get in the car, and, and go somewhere and, and talk to the child, train the child, discipline the child, and say you need to be disciplined. And either then, get the hug and the apology and the, uh, everything's back to normal, go back to the park, or if there's not, you know, depending on how it's been going, they say, nope, no park today, because you, you did that again. Um, and there's a difference between direct disobedience and this kind of inappropriate behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, if you got boys, they're going to be sometimes too loud, too rambunctious, too rough, et cetera, et cetera. And if you say, settle down, that's a very relative term. You know, if you dial it down from 12 to 9, you settle down. It doesn't mean mom's happy with it. But that's not necessarily disobedience. Now, if they lied to you, if they were disobedient, if you told you know, if they're doing something they know is absolutely wrong, there needs to be some punishment. If it's just they're being whiny, they're being complaining, they're 
they're tired, they're not being polite. It doesn't mean they need to be punished, but they need to be trained. Uh, but it's it's sometimes that will work better away from the public because so many people in the public think that you should just supposed to let kids be anything they want to be. Hmm. I think it's a great question, uh, and so much of what Scott said is spot on. We, we one thing we definitely don't want to do in that scenario is to choose to to forego discipline simply because we're in the public. Um, and, and honestly, I think sometimes we may do that, not not so much out of fear, but out of embarrassment. Um, sometimes sometimes we're embarrassed that people will see that, oh, you had to stop and discipline your child and we'd rather just ignore that it's happening. Uh, it doesn't sound like that's what uh, this commenter is talking about is there's a concern. Uh, I may be restricted by some other authorities from uh, taking care of my child. One thing we've done um, is we, if the child is old enough, and I think two is probably old enough, uh, we'll postpone punishment sometimes, but we'll communicate, um, you know, when we get back to the van or when we get home, uh, you just got to make sure you follow through with that. So you may have to communicate it to another parent, you know, the other <laughs> partner with you, or um, just, just remember somehow to remember that when you get home. And sometimes that space will do a number of things. It will actually cause more uh, discomfort for the child than an immediate consequence. It will also uh, give me time as a parent to process what exactly am I disciplining here? Uh, so that I've got an opportunity to uh, to direct my attention to training their heart and not just their behavior. They misbehave, and sometimes I'm tempted to uh, to correct their behavior because it's embarrassing to me. Uh, it was inappropriate in some kind of public way, and that's not what we're trying to to train us. We're trying to train their hearts and the attitude that says, "I don't have to obey mommy. I can I can keep walking down the path in the park, even though she called me back to her. You know, I can." I can pick up whatever rock I want to and throw it wherever I want to, even though she said not to throw rocks. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've got to follow through with my instruction. So if I've given an instruction that's for their good and then they don't follow through and obey it, then I've got to follow through and correct it. Uh, and it may not be immediate, it may be later. What, one, one other thing, um, and Scott, I'd love to hear what you think about this, but um, we try to be consistent in our punishments, but there have been times where just because of situations we're in, uh, we may choose a different kind of punishment in public. Uh, where, whereas if we're at home, you know, we're gonna maybe do a bare bottom spanking depending on the, if, if it's lying, you know, whatever. Uh, but if we're in public and we've got to do something immediate, especially with a smaller child, it may be a sharp thump to the hand and it gets the message across. You know, I'm not trying to cause a specific kind of pain to their body, but it's more of this pain should get to the heart uh, so that they're, they're reminded there are consequences to my disobedience and I want to change and I want to be pleasing to mommy and daddy so they can teach me to be pleasing to, to God. Uh, I don't know, Scott, it, have you seen times where you need to kind of adjust the, the discipline? Yeah. Uh, for instance, as they get older, uh, you know, if you've got your right. 14-year-old and he's, you know, will not clean his room no matter how many times you told him, it's you don't need to spank the 14 year old probably if, but right. uh, in uh, unless you spank him super hard you know it wouldn't bother him that much and, and you don't want to just be 
beating on him. So I, I think what gets a 14 year old's attention better is a fine. It's like, you know, I'm going to come check your room. You know, if it's a mess, five bucks. <laughs> and it, it's, you know, if, if you get in the habit of rolling through stop signs and the local officer gives you a ticket, it, it has an effect. You know, mm-hmm. and he gives you a ticket, but you're old enough to where that loss of money is is more of a motivator. Um, and then sometimes it's, you know, not getting to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they wanted to go to a, a, a party uh, and so they're supposed to fulfill their responsibilities. They refuse to. You're not going to go. Or they were mistreating somebody. Um, or, or being a bad sport. I used to coach homeschool PE for a bunch of kids. And I had one of mine that struggled. He does well now, but he struggled when he was little with being a good sport. And, man, sometimes it seemed like every week he would get sit out, you know, and he'd be a bad sport about something. And so we're about to play dodgeball, which he loved to play. No, you got to go sit on the steps. Because the rule was, if you can't be a good sport, you don't get to play the sport. And so he'd sit there while everybody else got to play. And that was more effective than, than uh, giving them a spanking. Um, some things need a spanking. And, of course, the Bible talks about uh, appropriate physical discipline out of love. But there's lots of other things that, that can work and be effective, especially as they're getting older. There's opportunity to get creative here with this, uh, so long as we're following through with some kind of discipline, because we don't want to let something slide. We don't want to just restrict their behavior in public. Uh, we want to train the heart so that they're choosing to willfully submit. Um, and so we can we can get creative as parents, and yeah. uh, if you get a spouse who's helping you out with that, as hopefully you do, I think this this person probably does. Um, then uh, you can, you know, get creative together. With the rest of Proverbs one here, um, I don't know any any thoughts about the kind of pressures that this particular son is under. With uh, come with us, uh, we'll all find precious goods. Throw in your lot among us. Um, that is exactly what's appealing to a lot of young men when they join a gang. It gives them a sense of belong. They feel it. Something. I was at the gym here, and one of the guys, as he left the gym, he was talking about how his cousin got out of paying more child support by enrolling in college. And then he said, I don't pay child support. I don't believe in that. And there's just so many fathers that don't care. And then maybe mom cares a lot or occasionally mom is a drug addict or in and out of jail herself and so you've got these little guys and little girls and they kind of feel nobody cares about them. maybe there's a grandma but maybe she's taking care of several you know ignored children and she's got limits on you know her energy and and, and they feel like nobody cares about it and then you find this group of criminals and you know, you'll be one of us. And it's that, that really sad wanting to belong. Let me tell you, one of the saddest things I heard was a young man that ended up getting in a very, very 
perverse homosexual lifestyle. He's likely dead. His mother hasn't heard from him in over 20 or 25 years. Um, But his father rejected him as a baby. And in reform school, they had security officials that would restrain the kids. And he told his mother, he said, he said, do you know why I act bad at school? He said, it's so that those men will hold me. Mm-hmm. So you've got security guards who don't really know who you are or care about you, but they're willing to physically restrain you. And he would act bad because that was the only way he could get, at that point, attention from an older man. Unfortunately, then he found other ways to do that as well. Um, but when there's a vacuum, um, it it makes it makes a child vulnerable for somebody who says that they care about them, and criminals and gang leaders will exploit that. Hmm. And then it's really sad because you know if you if you join a gang, you're going to hurt a lot of people. But the person, perhaps, that you will hurt the most is yourself. Mm-hmm. Mug somebody, they end up in the hospital for a day or two and they lost $50. They will get over that. They may decide to move to a different neighborhood, not walk down that street or whatever. But guess who's stuck with the person? The person. Mm -hmm. And Proverbs can help us get out of that. Yeah, and that's what this section says, right? Is is when you you behave in this way, when you're, you're lying wait for your own blood. Yeah, you're lying away for your own blood. And just a bird is smarter than that. You know, yeah. a, a bird seeing a net spread goes, oh, I'm not going to go flying into that. Um, but we see the problems. We say, you know, that doesn't apply to me. Uh, I'm sure that I, other people have fallen to that sort of thing. But I can make it through and, and I'll be the exception. Uh, wisdom tells us don't think you're the exception. Um, sin is illogical. You know, it talks about those who are lying uh, for innocent blood without reason, verse 11. Uh, so so there's a there's a kind of suspension of reason that we have to have when we do stuff like this. And so he's saying, hold on, just think through this with me. I think there's one good thing that parents, we, we should do with our kids, is we shouldn't just train them in good behavior and in godly living. We should talk about, you know, the, the groundhog that went across the street and got ran over and said, Look what Jerry did. Um, don't go do what Jared did. And here's why that's dumb. And so take a look at the gangs, take a look at the, the prisons, take a look at the bad behavior. And with compassion and with understanding, talk through those scenarios um, and, and say, that's where that heads. And that attitude of, okay, they messed up, but I won't, I'm smart enough. You know, Proverbs says the fool is wise in his own eyes. Right. Mm-hmm. Over and over in Proverbs, you're going to have the basic theme that teach a wise person and he's wiser still. Still, correct him and he'll love you for it. But when you correct a fool, he hates it. And if you hate correction, then you're going to have to learn more and more lessons the fourth ground all the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anything else you guys want to say through verse 19? 
right, we probably have time to talk about this next section also, uh, where Solomon starts personifying wisdom. It's kind of cool. So in verse 20, it says, Wisdom cries out aloud in the streets, in the market she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street she cries out, and at the entrance of the city gate she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing, and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called, and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand, and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all of my counsel, and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock and with, when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all of my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and their complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Um, so Solomon starts doing this thing in this section where he starts personifying like wisdom and foolishness. And it really kind of takes wisdom is like this, this good woman that's calling out and foolishness and sin is this enticing sinful woman, which will play out through these next few chapters. Um, but I don't know, like it seems like the big point of this is wisdom is screaming at you in the face <laughs> here's how you avoid your problems and it's really easy to listen and if you don't listen don't expect to get any sympathy later on you had your chance uh kind of thing which is man that's a really hard pill to swallow but it really makes a lot of sense it's very common sense oriented i yeah. told you exactly what to do and you ignored it and now you're reaping the consequences don't come crying to me <laughs> uh is is kind of the lesson that's there if wisdom was a person, looking at the with things we've done and people in our culture doing everything, it, it would be a frustrating existence to be wisdom and seeing how cool and crying out in the street. Listen, and nobody wants to until, bam. And it's not like she's been, you know, uh, secretly delivering messages to. Uh, a set of subscribers uh, like she's she's been at these really busy places the intersections of town and you know when people come in and out of the city she's over there like hey listen to me you know i've got i've got something to tell you uh and, and so if we ignore it it's just on us uh and she promises uh in verse 23 like if we'll turn aside then she'll just pour out everything to us like she's just giving wisdom away for free so when yeah. we don't pay attention it's just dumb it's just really dumb yeah. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I think it's, it's interesting. And Jonathan, you mentioned uh, wisdom is personified here. Um, it seems to me that Solomon chooses a woman here because he's talking to his son. Uh, you know, as a father, he's trying to trying to find some way to make this wisdom thing appealing to a young man. And so he says, "Hey, you want to get lapped up by girls? You know, you be dumb." And wisdom who's like a girl <laughs> laugh at you and she's gonna mock you when you do stupid stuff um i may be wrong about that but that mm -hmm. that worked to me if, you know if uh, i've got a teenage son now and if he were laughed at by some of his teenage girl peers i, I think he would be pretty embarrassed 
uh, I think that sort of thing works. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. It makes a lot of sense to me, though. <laughs> yeah, it's also interesting to see and and notice. This is just how people are. That's something that that I really noticed through Proverbs. Is like you read through Proverbs and you're like, it, you read through it and you're almost like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> like that's so obvious. That's so clear. I see that every single day. But this is how people are. They ignore good rational thinking. And then want, whenever things go wrong in their life, they want to blame good rational thinking <laughs> uh, or, or find something to blame. That's right. like, if you would just be rational and reasonable and wise in the beginning and listen to good instruction, then you wouldn't be in a situation where you have to find something to blame or have to find some way to get out of this problem or whatever. Um, it's just how people are so much of, of ignoring the obvious and then wanting to blame something when they get themselves in a the consequences of their actions um, should really stand out and and make us think like yeah I'm I'm the problem here not other things and that's something a lot of people want to do look at the circumstances in their life and blame someone else for the circumstances and there oh, are yeah. certainly there are certainly sometimes where there are people to blame for circumstances in your life but more times than not you're in control of how your life is what your life is at the very least, what your mindset is, you're in control of that. And living in a, in a state where you want to look outside of yourself and blame something else is never going to fix the problem. Go ahead, Scott. Have either of you guys done any prison work yet? Mm -hmm. Did you notice this, Justin, that there's some guys, everything was somebody else's fault? You know, whether it was it was my mom's fault or my dad's fault or my boss's fault or society's fault or the policeman's fault or the guy that left his keys in his car, the victim's fault. Or or, I, was, <clears throat> I worked with uh, mostly sex offenders and it was always, oftentimes it was the girl's fault. It was the girl's fault. It was the judge's fault. It was my lawyer's fault. And as long as they look at it that way, once they get done with their term, you know, you know, keep the suitcase handy because you're, you're, you're I don't know if you get a suitcase in prison. I don't guess you do. So <laughs> point you is, get much, you don't get much in prison. You get yeah. little, like uh, ketchup packets uh, that are full of peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. yeah. Like so get two used to that again, because you're as long, as long as it's always somebody else's fault. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, um, if you leave the gym and you go in a place and you realize, boy, it stinks in here. So you leave that room and you get in your car. Man, my car stinks. And you go in your room. My room stinks. And you go outside. Man, even outside it stinks. At some point, you should stop and realize, well, you maybe stink. I need to take a shower. <laughs> I think I found the problem. Yeah. I think there's something to that in verse 22. Uh, how long goes simple ones? We love being simple. The scoffers delight in scoffing. Fools hate knowledge. Uh, there's there's kind of a, a superiority that we may feel when we reject other people's wisdom or we reject reproof or correction. I'm above that. I don't need that. My life is going just fine. And we look down our noses at what is so freely given to us in God's wisdom. And, and we love to be dependent on no one. We love to be able to just 
carry on uh, as I always do. And when so bad things happen, it's not my fault because you know I'm better than all that. Uh, I think verse 22 helps us to see that one of the keys we need in gaining wisdom is a kind of humility that says, you know, maybe, just maybe, I don't know it all. Uh, maybe there's something to this. Uh, maybe I've got something to learn. Uh, but I think generally speaking, we don't like to be in that position. We like to be in a position where we can tell people what we know rather than to sit down, shut up, and listen. Jonathan? Yeah, and going along with that, um, foolishness just happens with, with no work at all. Wisdom, <laughs> wisdom takes work. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it takes self-discipline and, and learning and acquiring knowledge. And I think it's interesting. He, he says that in verse, in verse 32, talks yeah. about the complacency of fools that destroys them. Just if you want to do nothing, you'll be nothing. Um, if you want to be a good, wise, righteous person, take some work. Um, but it's worth it. Okay. Yeah. And one way to do that is when we're a child, listen to mom and dad. Don't elevate mom and dad above God. You know, it said, honor your father and mother. But it also said, have no other gods before. You know, so when mom and dad aren't right about something, they weren't right about it. And you can grow up and you can do better. And, and you know what? That's a beautiful thing. If your kids outgrow you, good for them. Now, we should keep growing, too. And then if their kids outgrow them, good for them. Uh, but generationally, you, you've got your Timothys who had, you know, a Lois and a Eunice before, but you've also got Solomon followed by Rehoboam and uh, David followed by Absalom. It's the whole Eli. period of the judges, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we need to listen to wisdom. We need to listen to parents. We need to listen to correction. But that's probably a good stopping. Mm -hmm. Yep. You guys have anything else you want to say through uh, chapter one? I just one one thing, and uh, uh, Scott, you put me in mind of it. In in chapter one, verse eight, uh, it's the parents that we should be listening to. Um, but verse twenty is it's also just wisdom. And yeah. So it may be, especially as we get older, um, I want my kids to learn from other people uh, as they're pointing them to God. I don't want them just to learn from other people. I want them to learn from other people who know God and know the fear of the Lord. And we see that again here in verse uh, verse 29, coming right back to choosing the fear of the Lord. And so I should be not threatened by, but excited by other people who come and, and help my children to learn, to take it further than I did. Um, it's, it's wisdom that's crying aloud, not me. You know, It's not just me crying aloud. It's, is other people who have godly wisdom to share. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, that's Proverbs 1. Um, so we hope that's helpful to everyone that was able to tune in with us today or anyone watching this recording later on. If you'd like us to discuss some more things in Proverbs, maybe specifically, or if this is helpful to you or you have any other requests you'd like us to discuss here on our program, you can visit our website at BibleQuest.tv and we'll be happy to talk about what you want us to, to do and cover in our future programs. That's all we have time for this week. And so we'll plan on seeing everyone next week, Lord willing.